Hey guys, welcome back to the Drop Pen Podcast, where twice a month, four to five guys from Melbourne talk about nerdy stuff. I'm Adam, um, and we've got... Uh, hi, yeah, this is Jules. Today I'm going to be talking about the Melbourne International Comedy Festival and festivals in general. we got Duke back on the chair. Hi everyone. Uh, today I'm going to talk about films that rattled you to the core. We've got... <laughs> it's going to be great fun. Uh, special <laughs> guest for the week, Nick. Hey guys, I'm going to talk to you about superhero films and if the genre will ever end. And back again for the second time, because we've only got two episodes so far. <laughs> yeah. Tim! Uh, yeah, I'm Tim, and my topic is on potentially unnecessary video game sequels. Uh, and I'm Adam, I said that before already. Um, and I'm talking about movie sequels that have come out way after the original, right? I think I'll just start. Go ahead. Um, everyone's heard of Pacific Rim? Yes. Right, yep. we got we got this movie that was made by I'm gonna butcher his name, Guillermo del Toro. Yes. Go <laughs> um, on. And that movie came out in 2013. The first one came out in 2013. Correct me if I'm wrong. Also, leave in the comments if I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm probably wrong. Um, but the second one came out this year. I watched it. It was great. I'm assuming none of you guys have seen Pacific Rim two yet. That is a correct statement. I haven't even seen the first one yet. Oh. First one was good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I have many I, other. I didn't realize that the second one was out. When do, when Me neither. It was out like yeah, there's trailers. A it's month ago. They keep some money. Well, there you go. About a month ago, Pacific Rim Uprising. Serious? <laughs> yeah. A month ago. Yeah. It was like the week before our first recording session. Okay. <laughs> did so, Guillermo del Toro make Shape of Water as well? Yeah, he did. He just oh, got, right. Yeah, so like for that. yeah, he he raked up on that. So oh. he made like Pacific Rim one. Yep. And then Shape of Water, which was amazing. Well, yeah, everyone thinks it's amazing. It's not amazing. Oh, controversial. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. That's, that's, we can talk about that it's, later. <laughs> that's, okay. that's, that's another topic. I haven't seen it yet. No spoilers. But he didn't direct the second one. Oh, he didn't direct it. He, he, he just no. supervised everything. He just it. Yeah, yeah exactly. pretty much. I did just. So, like, there's a five-year gap between the first one and the second one. Is it in real time in the film as well? It's not. So it's... There's a time skip in the movie. So it's longer than five years. Uh, I don't think I actually said how long the time skip is between the first movie no, and the second it's movie. It's definitely... Significant enough. Okay. It's like, Just... for the people who've seen the first movie, fucking monsters destroy cities everywhere. The cities are rebuilt now. Ah, okay. So yeah. you can think about... Plot convenience. <laughs> for <laughs> plot convenience. Um, also, dude, why haven't you seen it? It's like monsters, robots versus monsters. I, get other, I, I don't know. I'm, I find other Del Toro movies interesting. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't find that one very interesting. Like, What's your his favorite? horror stuff I love. Like, Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth, the Hellboy yeah. duology, but sadly not a trilogy. Did he do um, all the Hellboys? They are remaking yeah, that though, aren't they? Oh, I'm excited for that, yeah. yeah. Um, Who's, um... Uh, what is his name? Jim. No. The guy who plays Hopper, David Hopper. David Harbour from yeah. Stranger Things, and the director is Neil Marshall, who did The Descent, which I need to go see, which is a horror movie right. back in like 2005. But yeah, uh, uh, it's just, it's Del Toro, yeah, but it, I don't, I just didn't have any interest in that one. Well, he's not doing this one, and there's a five year gap. Um, the, yeah. What's his name? John Boyega? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He helped produce yeah. this one, oh, and like he's starring he's in it. Starring. He's starring in it. He's like capitalizing on that Star Wars fame, right? Yeah. Oh, he's everywhere. Yeah. He's hot right now. Yeah. He's good. Did anyone... No, that's okay. Very Is he English? He's he English. Is. He's English. Oh, interesting. He's like a younger version of... Um, what's his name? Edra something. Edra Selva. Edra Selva. We're getting on a lot of sidetracks. Wow. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the okay. question. Yeah. Sequels. Sequels. Can I, can I add just one thing? No. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Alright. Um, I personally don't think five years is that long. Really? For a sequel. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'd okay. say, like, like say, um, I mean, they probably started out with a pretty bad start, therefore, with their sequels, but 
the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series. Right. Mm-hmm. Like 12 to 14 year gaps, I think, in between movies. Mm, that's a while. Sin City was nine years in between that sequel. And the when was the first Avatar movie? Avatar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 2009. So we've yeah. got like four sequels yeah. to Avatar. They've started Lined planning up. it right after Lined it finished. Up, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the first one. And they're going to be pumping those so, out until we all die. I think Avatar is a special case, though. I think that's not really... You can't measure... like You can't use it as a case study for, for sequels in general because it's... It depends on technology. They haven't come yeah. out yet. We're talking about the James Cameron thing, not the bold guy who does airbending, by the way. <laughs> if anything, yeah. Let's come... not talk about a sequel to Last Like, really, you could pretty much compare the Avatar planning that they're doing with the MCU. Oh, okay. what? How? So they're planning okay. them because, well, as it comes out, they start playing the next one like years in advance yeah in terms of their sequels yeah. so what is two yeah. out when the difference is, is they bring out the other movies like and 2019 in between yeah so we've got Avatar 2 in 2019 yeah then Avatar 3 in 2020 uh, much in later. 3D I don't know, I don't know if it's announced yet but the second one has been announced but okay let's uh, let's bring this back on topic to like what would you consider an ideal amount of time to pass before a sequel is released Five years is acceptable Five between years. between the first original movie to the second one. Yeah. Because like we've got a really short attention span culture, right? We've got like things yeah. happening every day, new movies, new games, blah 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 blah. You gotta forget about the original eventually. Yeah. But oh. you don't wanna you don't wanna leave it too long, otherwise people miscon like misconstrued it as like a money grab. Like they're just right. trying to like go through what they've made in the past and see what else they can profit on. Like make a sequel to like so another thing because like I feel like we're in a weird nostalgia era people just yeah Yeah. yeah, people are pumping out like old reboots and sequels to really old stuff like Blade Runner yeah Uh, what's that 20 years which is a great 35 years 35 years 35 years years, yeah since I haven't seen it it's yeah. 33, 33, 32 years, something like that. That's the distance between. It is, yeah. The original Blade Runner to 2049. Yeah. That was 82, yeah. and this one was... Holy crap! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Almost 35 years, yeah. I'll use 2049 right. as an example, then, because I was going to say, I don't think it... I think time's got nothing to do with it. It just depends on whether your idea sucks balls or if it's a good one. <laughs> and, like, in the case of like Blade Runner 2049, it came out way after the original. But it's, like, it's like an amazing film. Yeah. So I think that you could have a film be successful and then release a sequel in a year... And it could be bad in the same way that you could release a bad sequel 20 years later. Yeah. How late was Trainspotting 2, for uh, instance? That was yes. 20 years. Because that was, years, that was yeah. very long. 20, 25 and years. Yeah. I thought T2 was phenomenal. That was really good, yeah. It's not even just movies. Like, anime is doing it now. Like, I don't know, anyone um, watch Card Ghost, what was the Ghost in the Shell. Ghost yeah. in the Shell, that's, yeah. That's a good example. That is also a good example. Yeah, I was going to say Card um, Casters, but okay. <laughs> um... Jumanji was an interesting. Uh, well, that's not really a sequel, is it? It is. It's a reboot. Is it? Is it? If you watch the film, oh. it makes direct reference to the original film in a sequel-like fashion. But it doesn't. Apparently, it's not that bad though. It's good. I heard it's I, a lot of fun. I watched it in cinemas. I had a great time with it. It's better than. No spoilers. I still want to see it. Um, but yeah, it, it's. I don't know. The marketing was interesting because they didn't. Really build it as a sequel at all. They build out the video. Definitely, yeah, is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With they, the rock, yeah. They put rock, the rock on everything to sell it. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm, glad you heard I'm not. <laughs> uh, but but it it definitely like once you watch the film, unequivocal, it's absolutely a sequel to the original film. Hmm. Yeah, it just doesn't contain any of the same characters. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Oh. So um, 
it's also like there's there's an element of that which Jumanji is really it's a family film and the sequel also what's the subtitle for the sequel? Welcome to the Jungle or something like that. Jumanji could easily be a horror um, film. But, but it's it's a family film and with family films the generations sort of switch over oh, and so yeah, yeah, and so a bunch of new kids who have never seen the first film or only seen it on television screens will go to the movies for the first time and see this this world that's been created based on their parents yeah yeah, yeah. and I mean Star Wars to a certain degree falls into that category as well where there are these new young up and coming nerds who are getting to experience big screen Star Wars for the first time in their generation. Because that's also, that's the same, pretty much the same amount of time. There was t- like the same gap between Blade Runner. It's pretty much the same gap between the sequel to um, yeah. Yeah. Star Wars 6. Like mm-hmm. obviously we've had shit in between, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to talk about those? <laughs> <laughs> nah. We, we don't need But what about, <laughs> what about um, like cross-medium uh, kind of films and TV, like Sherlock, for instance? Like, because oh, yeah. we in the last couple of years we've had Sherlock TV, like the American version and the UK version. Then we've had the <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. film. Yeah, yeah. Like the both of them. It did seem like, like all that happened very close. Yeah, like, there's like also an Asian years, lady yeah. Sherlock as well yeah. now. That's the American. Oh, that's the American. Is one. it that's yeah. on awesome. HBO? Lucy Liu. No, 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 there's another one. Really? There's enough, no, I know the one Lucy Liu's Watson in that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, are we going to be getting? Like a rest from Sherlock Holmes and like a like revival ten years down the track of Sherlock. Holmes. I feel like Sherlock that... Holmes is a bit different because Sherlock Holmes is it's it's more of a myth- mythology. It's a two hundred year old. That's a good book. point. Yeah, it's not yeah. two hundred years old. It's about hundred. Eighteen hundred. Just started. Started. No, it's like eighteen. <laughs> very, very yeah, late eighteen eighty five. Yeah, late eighteen hundreds. I was just rounding it out for them. Eighteen hundred, late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. Like it's one of those iconic works of art. They're just it's. Less a yeah. matter of like a se- like um long waits for a sequel. It's more just a whole bunch of different adaptations. But there are plenty of like fictional characters from that time period and since then that have just been forgotten about. And for some reason, we've kind of focused on Sherlock Holmes. I wonder like, why. Like, yeah. I think your point that it's a it's a mythology as much as it is yeah. a character. Uh, character. Yeah, is 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 a good one. Like, I think. And, like, the relationship between Sherlock and Watson, like, there are certain parts of it that uh, you'll see in every version of the Sherlock, however it's portrayed, there are sort of core elements that sort of exist. Like, he's an aloof sort of weirdo. Um, That's detective stuff. Yeah, he's good at detecting. (laughs) And, uh, and, and, uh, And he has a partner in crime who might be a little bit more... Um... Uh, socially aware, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, and and those are sort of timeless qualities now. Something that people obviously respond to. That's because it was adapted correctly, I think, for the time. Yeah, like UK version, I'm sure, was like hit that hit the nail on the head. <coughs> yeah, for sure. Or, like what it was. All right, over to me. So, uh, in Melbourne, here we have the Melbourne International Comedy Festival running. Uh, as we record this, it has, I think, just finished its second week or or um, is halfway through its second week. Uh, uh, but as, when we release this, we're like, just to give you guys a peek behind the curtain, we don't release the day that we record, because uh, that would be difficult and insane. So... Um, we also record in the cave. 
We record in a cave, and then it's sent by carrier pigeon to our editing suite. And then uh, once we get it out, this podcast, uh, like the comedy festival, will be uh, maybe a week later or so on in its season. But uh, I, I did want to talk about like my experiences with festivals and comedy festivals and film festivals and things like that. Uh, but before I get on to like what I consider the ideal comedy festival night out i want to ask you guys how how you guys enjoy festivals and what do you do and uh, what do you expect out of how long is a comedy festival uh so the the comedy festival this one is six weeks long holy crap yep so is that longer than usual uh, no i'm pretty sure they do like it's all the month of april and and then a little bit each way cool I gotta, I gotta find some new comedians. I just listen to Russell. It's Peter good for stuff. that. I, li- yeah. I only listen to Russell Peter stuff. Go to uh, maybe like pick out a name on, by random and just see them. Give a give a someone you don't know a chance. That's what yeah. I do. I try and I pick out three, four people that I don't know, and I go with my parents. Great. Right. Yep. Good night. Uh, any of you guys other like uh, Duke or Tim? Do you partake of the festival of comedy? I performed in it once. Fantastic. Yes, he has. <laughs> you have? You know Class Clowns? No. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so I was in the National Final. So Class Clowns is like a comedy festival for like under 18s. Um, and when I was, yeah, when I was 18, I got into the Nationals at uh, a theatre across from the Town Hall. It wasn't in the Town Hall the year I did it because tragedy, but it was in an equally huh. cool theatre, but not really. Awesome. Okay, so this is my advice. And, and take it with a grain of salt. It's catered to someone with certain funds and and spare time and stuff like that my like i'll start with tips and tricks and then i'll get into what i reckon the best comedy night out is okay so um my first tip and trick is go with someone that you know go with a friend don't go it alone like it's okay if you if you want to go on your own but like you want to be able to talk about what you've seen with other people and and like it's hard to do sometimes uh second thing is um maybe have someone in mind that you definitely do want to see for your night out. But like, I like to keep it loose. And I, I, again, this isn't advice that will apply to everyone. It's uh, it's very, um, like you have to have a certain attitude and a certain sort of, some people might not love what I'm about to say. But what I reckon is the best thing you do, and this will apply to any festival you go to. There's heaps of festivals around the world. There's Montreal Comedy Festival. There's Edinburgh Fringe Festival. There's all sorts of festivals. They all work roughly the same way. They all have a hub for the various activities that are going on. So in Melbourne, it's the Melbourne Town Hall. Jump in there, have a look around, and what you'll find is around 6 o'clock, there'll be heaps of comedians just standing on the street corner going, come and see my show. And then you go, you can have a little conversation with them and say, what are you going to be talking about? What's your deal? What's your shtick? Um, The other night, there was a guy who was wearing a big cardboard cutout cut out of a mandarin and he hands his, his flyer and he goes fruit based comedy and I was like that sounds hilarious I want to see that um, yeah, that would work for me too exactly and so and like yeah and you can interact with them a little bit just find out what they're what they're on about and if it's something you're interested in you can you can sort of book in and go and see it and usually like if they're not in the town hall they'll be somewhere around the corner um, and uh, and it won't be hard to make a night of it and then you see that show if it's, you know, starting out pretty soon, then you come out, grab a drink from a bar, um, find another show. And, and there's a club across the road as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are clubs also. There, there's, yeah. like, lots of places to drink. And the bonus of that is you might even see the comedian that you just saw 
at the bar that you're getting a drink from, <laughs> and you might be able to say hi, thanks for the show, and, and get an autograph. Well, yeah. Well, the thing is, the the artists who stand on the street corners are not going to be people that have the amount of fame that require like that you would want to get an autograph from. Uh, no, no offense to them. They're all very talented, but like. This is an idea for people who are looking for some smaller shows to get into new comedians that they never heard of, and a lot of local Melbourne stuff mm. as well. I love like, supporting local artists. Exactly, yeah. We're also a local artist. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come by the town hall tomorrow and we'll to come hang out with us. We'll be wearing cardboard suits yeah. of microphones. And yeah. the thing is, that wouldn't be weird. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> yeah, that would be weird. During the comedy festival, anything goes. Like, as long as we're all like wearing different microphones, because that's just gonna look pretty weird. <laughs> yeah. We do like the week, the week after the comedy festival. Guys, the comedy festival was like last week. <laughs> oh, wait, what? <laughs> Shit. What? <laughs> yeah, we're starting a new festival. Podcast fest. Podfest. <laughs> Podfest, Melbourne, twenty eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> So that's my advice. What do you guys think about that? Is that something you want to go after? Or? Does each comedian have like their own um, style, I guess, is, is a good Absolutely. way to put it? Absolutely. And every show is different. So I went out on a night out, just like I described um, uh, last week, and the first show I saw was like a straight up piece of theatre. Like there were four actors on stage and they were each playing different roles. And it was, uh, it was a comedy about uh, Sherlock Sherlock. No, 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 it wasn't Sherlock. It was uh, Shakespeare had gotten into a TARDIS and travelled back to Julius Caesar's murder, and that's apparently how he got the inspiration to write the play Julius Caesar. It's quite funny. Uh, and then, like, I came out of there and I went round to the town hall, and there was this there was this dude who was like, "I'm from Adelaide. Do you want to see my show?" And I was like, "I'm not sure. Let's go in there." And it was that was a bit bad. Like, here's the thing. There are stinkers. <laughs> there are bad I'm, I'm comedians sure there out are. there. I'm sure there, there are. There are some guys, like, real groaners, like, they're not, yeah. like, necessarily all going to entertain you, but, like... And, and my other pro tip, go on a Tuesday night, everything's cheaper. So, what? um... What? Just, just it's a time up. time on a tradition in Melbourne of tight ass Tuesday. Ah, oh, fair enough. And, yeah. and it carries on into the festival. So, um, yeah, then you maybe you don't burn up as many dollars, you don't feel like you've wasted as much money. So if you do see a stinker, it's not a big deal. Um, and then, like, I came out of that and I saw uh, Ben McKenzie, who's a, who's a nerd, and his show is basically, and I think he's had his final night already, but um, he plays board games with other comedians on stage, and that's the show. Huh. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> it was really fun. I make, like, great YouTube content. Well, yeah, yeah. But, um, and he interacts with the audience, says, oh, what games have you guys been playing, all that stuff, and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good time, and, and, like, a lot of these, like, up-and-coming, sort of, emerging comedians as well are happy to hang out after the show, and, like, meet and greet, and, like, um, and they're just super approachable people as well, so if you just want to hang out with them, um, and say, hey, well done, good job, and, like, then they'll probably be up for it. Do any of those guys who, you know, start off at the comedy festival become bigger names? I have... Like, what would you recommend? An excellent story. Well, I can't, like, uh, I'm... The problem is, because we're in a changeover week, a lot of the shows that I just saw are closing, or have closed. So I can't actually recommend stuff. Right. Uh, um, yeah. This is why I'm saying a better plan is just get out there and yeah. have a look and, and talk to people. Well, like if they come back next year or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, well, Ben McKenzie, if you ever see his name anywhere... Is a great one. Um, uh, I saw last night Lauren Bock, who's a local um, 
comedian, and her show was fantastic. Best show I've seen so far. I haven't said that. I haven't actually seen that many. But, um, <laughs> but look out for that name. Vox uh, spelled B-O-K. Um, and, yeah, those, for right now, are my top recommendations. Um, but I do have a funny story because um, <laughs> I was watching a, a series on Netflix called Love. It's got um, Gillian Jacobs and this nerdy dude. And, and Gillian Jacobs' character has a housemate uh, who's an Australian. Uh, and it's played by Claudia O'Doherty. Maybe saying that incorrectly. I thought that she looked a little bit familiar, or she seemed a bit familiar, when I was watching, watching it yeah. on, the, on the TV show. And when I looked her up, it, it turns out that um, I had encountered her in real life uh, about 10 years ago when I was working on a Fringe Festival show. Uh, and... She, I'm like, we had the same changing room. Like, we, we shared a changing room for, for two different shows at the same time. So I, like, wow. literally rubbed shoulders with her. Sure. And now she's on Netflix. So, like, you see a small artist now, who knows where they're going to end up. And you can be there and say, I remember when they were doing a tiny room for the comedy festival. And the yeah. atmosphere on those rooms, by the way, like, that's the super fucking cool part. Is like, it's not just about, like, going out and seeing, like, live theatre. It's like you go to like bars and shit or like back rooms of hotels and like and you're just with a bunch of strangers laughing and it's like you don't do that in no. any other context and like that's the other thing with the cheap show is that usually like the cheaper the show the more atmosphere you're actually going to get. Yeah. So no, that's cool. Yeah. I like to see them when they're hungry. Yeah. They really want those laughs and they're really working hard for those laughs. It's sure. good. Uh, but uh, having said that, I've seen the big name shows too and they're, they're fine too. So if that's what you're up for, if, if you just want to see like the latest um, Arj Barker show, then have at it. Because Russell Peters was in Russell Melbourne Peters. a couple of months ago. Yeah. And I think Kevin Hart's here in December. Right. I was going to see Kevin Hart. His tickets are so expensive. Well, that's the problem. <sighs> I paid like one fifty for Russell Peters. Really? Like, my seat wasn't even that great. Like, you know, it was a good, it was a good show. Lucky but you close your eyes, it wouldn't actually make a difference. I'm joking. <laughs> I actually thought about that for a second. No, I had to like tilt my head to the right a lot. Oh, it was weird. <laughs> to the right a lot. It was really I'm sorry, weird. this was so traumatic. <laughs> uh, really great for like an audio podcast because I can't you know show them show them my neck tilting. Alright, I'm gonna bring the mood down, but this is interesting. So I watched a film the other day. It's called Balbo. Um, it's about uh, an investigation into five Australian journalists who kind of disappeared when they went to document the invasion of East Timor by Indonesia uh, in 1975, I believe it was. And I won't get like too much into the film, but essentially like what you're watching is like a great, great depth of like kind of human atrocity in film. And like I was watching this at, at my film school and I came out at like 11 a.m. and I was just like, <sighs> like just absolutely cooked at like this depiction of what like people can do to one another. And I think that I'm, when I get angry like at a film or whatever, or like not angry at the film, but when the film inspires that within me it makes me realize that like when you get rattled by a film that in many ways is when it's like at its most powerful because it just makes you want to think about you know how can we change it even if you can't the fact that you're thinking about it is powerful so that was my question is what is a film that you guys have watched or even like i guess you could even talk about powerful emotional responses but when you've watched a film that's just made you feel like just upset with something just like i it sucks that i live in a world where this thing happens so that's what I'm out there. I honestly can't remember one that's like given me such you know emotional distress. So another good one is like a lot of people mention uh, like the beach scene saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah. that was I heard that brought back serious PTSD for World War Two veterans that they like 
they thought it was the most realistic battlefield depiction they've seen. Yeah. Ever. And they had, like many of them had to leave because it was so Because it's just so, so accurate. Vivid. Yeah. Oh, shit. I mean, I wouldn't know, but it looks... Yeah, so it many looks, people <laughs> it looks who pretty would accurate. watch that would just see a, a film. But yeah. Like, to them, it's just so real. It connects with them in a like, whole other way. That we... It's good that Spielberg was able to, like, get that. How do you mean? Well, if that was the response that people had when they left the theatre, then that means that the director had to understand, mm. like, oh, yeah. the level to which, like, what he was doing, which is, like, what? impressive. Huge amount of research, is it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was going to say Schindler's List from the bits that I yes. have actually. from Because I haven't seen all of it. Actually, <laughs> I know. I have to go back and see. see it fully. But I've seen like a lot of really key scenes like the like Auschwitz and all that kind of stuff and like the end train bit. And it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. It's like, because like, you can read as many like unbiased history books as you want. But then it's like, it's pretty much like, because we're not going to be able to ever see it like footage-wise. So like, yeah. just like the idea of actually seeing at least a depiction of those kind of like horrors that went on. The level to which yeah. like, that's actually like, happening. Oh, Jesus Christ. Mm. Yeah, it's actually there and like for you to watch. Yeah. I just thought of one. It's a, technically a horror movie. Um, the Reaping, I think that came out in like 2006. Right. There was a scene where there were 10-year-old children being hung off chains like they're butchered animals. Mm-hmm. And in the context of that movie, in the town that the movie's based in, if you were to have a second child, you would have to sacrifice that second child to God when they turn 10 or something. What? So that, so, was, that was why they were being hung. Yeah, so like you've got dead children corpses being hung like animals with their spines removed. Pretty fucked up shit. Yeah, but I mean that that uh, that sort of rings true with the the China's one child policy, doesn't it? Like the they don't have that rule anymore. No, I know, but it was. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, and that's true. At the time that that was released, it would have been a fresh sort of. Yeah, that's, actually, that's, no, that's a good probably point. Probably yeah. why it was in the movie, sort of thing. Oh. Like it's it's yeah, it's sort of, sort of making a statement. So these are all films that kind of focus heavily on loss, like loss of life, and like pretty dark, yeah, gruesome murders. Well, for me, my like one of the strongest films. Oh, films that I have the strongest emotional connection to would be Tarzan, the Disney film. Really? Okay. Yeah, because I watched that when, when I was a child. The animated one, right? Yes. Um, there was a live, was a live yeah. action. Yeah. Pretty new. And I don't know, for some reason I always had a strong emotional connection to it, maybe because um, like I was an only child and Tarzan's an only child. And I saw a lot of similarities between me and him when I was a child watching it. Also not to mention Phil Collins to the soundtrack. And that's, <laughs> that's great. It was like <laughs> such a like powerful... like musical score I don't know I just for some reason that movie stuck a chord I don't know why but every time I watch it it makes me I don't know really happy and have you seen the movie in adulthood which one Tarzan the, when's, the, when's the most recent time? yeah no I haven't really no when oh. was it released late 1990s I'm assuming the live action one no no, 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 the, no. The, the, the animated one the one that you were talking oh, about when yeah. was the last time you saw that oh I watched it a couple of weeks ago right yeah so it's still pretty fresh in the head yeah oh. it, was, it was it's great because it's it's all about the integration of foreign foreign body into another society. So two worlds essentially clashing from some. And one society not accepting it, uh, accepting this person and just rejecting it on all fronts. Then coming to terms with it and realizing that what made them different wasn't what they looked like, but what they did for the greater good. So, I don't know, it's just... But it's it's beyond that for me. It's not just the moral of the story. But you can't explain. It's it. a childhood, um, yeah. childhood emotion. No, that's awesome. I was going to bring it back to the whole uh, more darker stuff. Not as dark as those other subjects we start with. So like, 
there's not really a not really deaf but like horrible kind of um just completely like terrifyingly realistic outcomes because I've been re- um, yes I've been watching scares me. I've been watching a lot of um Black Mirror mm. so mm-hmm. still need to see that yeah I've been watching that lately um started like season two I think I'm up to um but yeah just like the because uh, like some of it's set in the future some of it's set in the modern day but it's got that very heavy focus on like pretty much it's like the twilight zone like but like not the, like the not the lazy oh it's the twilight zone for the 21st century it's more like the twilight zone but if it was set and like created with the concepts of like the digital age right. that we currently exist in nowadays because we're still kind of we're pretty early on really with yeah. that whole advanced social media like just like the whole corruption of morals and human like you know mm. classic human ideals and stuff like i was watching this one episode i think last night or the, or the yeah last night um where you think it's supposed to be like this post-apocalyptic kind of thing where like people are obsessed with phones and stuff and like recording someone and it turns out the protagonist has been fooled the whole time and they're in a cycle of um this kind of justice-based theme park against them since they're actually being they've actually been convicted for a crime and that's their punishment oh is that the woman yeah and it's basically yes. basically spoilers ahead this woman um thinks she wakes up in this room it's implied that she had a daughter and then she has no idea what's happening people are going around just filming her and just not communicating with her whatsoever and then there's people trying to kill her quote unquote and then it turns out basically the end it was all just an elaborate ploy by the whole community by the it's basically all the people with their phones viewing her are patrons at an um at a shut-off area in London Fuck for an amusement me. park. Whoa. Set up, basically, just to torture her constantly. Because she basically has to... She, they give her... Um, they make her forget about the whole ordeal by the end of the day. And she Ooh. goes through this cycle over and over. Oh, and at the end, it's shown to her, hey, um, the reason why you have this picture of um, this little girl and you're going through these memories that you can't quite comprehend is because you filmed your fiancé murdering this little girl out in the woods and stuff and this is your punishment and she lives this over and over, over, over again so like, yeah, when yeah. it's revealed to her she the guys, gets her mind yeah. wiped again and it starts yeah. they bring her right back to the room set oh, it all up nice. as it was before and then it just constantly starts up again and then you see behind the um, for the post credit scene you see behind the scenes kind of stuff they're acting all happy and shit it's like alright guys you know it's like, it's like a zoo basically they act like it's a zoo so is the reason that like it's because the thing that freaks me about that is like I can think of that deeply and understand why that's like would be so existentially horrifying to go through. Yeah. And, like, I think, because that's, yeah, because that's why, like, I kind of brought this topic up, too, is, like, when something rattles you, it's for, like, a reason that can be, like, often hard to articulate. Mm. So, like, when I watch Balabo and, like, there's scenes of them walking through villages that have just been massacred, like, people don't really talk about this all that often, but, like, I really like living, like, actually being alive. Like, I wake up in the morning, like, have a coffee, like, go for a walk, like, talk to people, have a nice day, like, and rinse and repeat. Like, no one really, we don't appreciate it for what it is, but to think that you could have your own life, your own agenda, like, oh, I'm going to go see this person, or i got a movie coming up, or, like, my career's I going see. this way, I've met a nice yeah. girl, and then, no, but, but you just got shot, and that's it now. Like, yeah, that is a reality, for, that, that has happened to more people in the past than are actually alive right now. And sometimes when you see that in a film, so matter-of-factly, it's fucking hectic. Yeah. So yeah. We see that all the time in film now, so yeah. some people might be... But it depends on how the film's done. So if it's a shitty film that's just, like, gunning people down without actually taking into account the value of life, then that film itself... It. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that right. film then exists in, like, a different department for me because it's just, like... 
Just violence and It's action. just violence, yeah. yeah. Kind of brought me, actually, um, what you just said there kind of brought me to, like, No Country for Old Men. Mm. Yes, that yeah, whole, exactly. That whole concept. Yeah, mm. it's interesting stuff, I think. I think there's films are the only medium that can do it, because when we often talk about tragedy, like I am right now, I'm expressing, like, how I feel about it, as I'm telling you, but a film will just depict it, and yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. shit. It's a case to be made, though, like, um, and, and I just want to wave the flag for video games for a second. Um, not a lot of them have actually even attempted to, to reach that depth of sort of, uh, like, I guess, existential horror or, or touching you emotionally. But um, uh, there was a game I played, re- not recently, but it came out a few years ago, and I'm trying, I'm stalling, because I can't is remember it, what is it's it called. Spec- <laughs> is it Spec Ops The Line? Or? No, it's not. Last of Us? Example. No, 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 no. Call of Duty? It was a, um, it was a very, it was a low budget, sort of pixel art, game um you are an officer at a border control for a tiny nation papers please papers please yeah that's the one and uh that was like a game (laughs) uh so so and and what the game does is it puts you in a situation that you literally can't win so you have to pay rent and you only get paid a certain amount per visa that you sort of pass through the system and there's no way you'll ever earn enough and then, and then it tempts you with opportunities. Like if you, like bribery if you, and stuff. If you, yeah, like someone has a visa that shouldn't get through. And by the way, the actual gameplay of passing through visas is, is very complicated, like way more complicated than it needs to be because you've got yeah. your little manual of what visas are allowed in and then you've got a list of rules. Like today you can't let in people from this country uh, uh, unless they're a male or something. It's just strange. And so you're working with all these different icons and then... Um, uh, you, yeah, you, someone might be like, oh, I'll, I'll give you an extra $30 if you just let me through without even looking at my visa. And like, and then there are obviously consequences for getting it wrong. And so there are terrorists in this world. And, and, and wow. yeah, and, and like, I, I yeah. played my first playthrough of that. It's got like 16 different endings or something like that. I, I had one ending. I was like, okay, I'm done with this well, game. This because wow. It's too intense for me. Like, this I is an indie game. Decisions. This is an indie game. Yeah, it was that a tiny indie game. sounds incredible. I, just, like, I literally could not deal with the decision making in that game. It was what? actually... Did you play it to the end? I did play it to a and end, but as I said, um, as I said, there, there are several different endings depending on what choices you make throughout and what, what sort of people make it through. So that's, that, um, as much as I, I I agree that film is much better at this currently and, and maybe games will never get as good at this, uh, as, as film. I think they will. Yeah. They're definitely getting there. But, um, storytelling in in games. Yeah. definitely. They've got the technology uh, for that now. I should correct what I said. I'll say storytelling is what, a better way to say it. That's what I I meant like, yeah. I just think in the realm of film is what I, how my brain Yeah. Especially with VR and like the immersion. Like the more immersed you get into your medium, the, the larger like emotional investment you have. Hmm. So when you start getting like like VR headsets and you're living and like breathing the person, the character that you're playing, you just, I feel like that's just going to take it to a whole new level. Well, my topic is on um, as I said, video game sequels, because um, I've been lately I've been thinking about basically my two most anticipated games of the year so far. Uh, both sequels, Red Dead Redemption 2 and Last of Us Part 2, both of which I finished and thought they weren't necessarily games that really deserved, like, that really needed sequels. Like, Last of Us, like, I figured it would happen for Last of Us because it was so huge, Mm -hmm. and it's like, there's no way they're not going to capitalise on it. 
So I guess that one's going to happen, you know, anyway. But like Red Dead, because they already had Red Dead Revolver prior to that. And yeah. It's, it's Rockstar Games. They, they don't generally, aside from like the Max Payne trilogy, they don't generally do sequels. It's more like their series are anthology, little isolated stories in each um, installment yeah. Yeah. set in the same universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I thought they were going to do that with Red Dead when they made the next one after the uh, success of Redemption. So like it makes me, it makes me think of the Team Eco games. Which are pretty much set in the same universe, but like Eco, Shadow of the Colossus. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The latest one, Last Guardian. It makes me think. Really, do all video games necessarily need sequels? Like, do we really need to enhance the mechanics? So I well? find it interesting that you brought up uh, the fact that Red Dead Redemption was itself, in uh, if not a direct sequel, at least a spiritual sequel to uh, Red Dead Revolver, which was an entirely different type of game. Yeah. And I think this is what makes this an interesting topic, is that the technology for games and even like the tastes of gamers change so rapidly over time that from generation to the next, you're looking at two different things. Right. If you were to play the very first Call of Duty, it would feel probably unplayable now compared to the latest sort of modern warfare titles or like things change that that quickly so um yeah i think i think it's it is interesting to revisit a title given the years of of like change in the interim i don't know that red dead redemption 2 will do that mm. uh, i think rockstar in particular tend to stick to a formula nowadays like um obviously love their earlier stuff and 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 have had many hours of of good times with with all the GTA titles and stuff, but um, you know they 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 do have a certain sameness to them, um, which you know I was talking about open world games last week, and yeah. it, it sort of definitely falls into that category. So, so how would you feel if the game you were talking about just then had a sequel to it, like in five years time? Uh, which oh, which game? The one you were just talking about just then. Pa- the one. Paper papers something. Papers please. Papers please. Jules is done with that world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd be curious. I think. Um, well, the the point the the thing about that was that that was a retro game itself. It was it was yeah. it released probably five years ago, but it, it yeah. had the aesthetic of a sixteen bit era game. Like it it looked like uh, um, you know all pixel art. Uh, this, um, yeah. and so. In a way, what I'm talking about now with the technology changing, like it's already sort of sidestepped that entirely. Like okay. you wouldn't do a three, you wouldn't necessarily do a VR version of Papers Please, and if you did, it'd be horrifying. <laughs> Probably <laughs> try like try. You have to deny this cute little family that's standing right in front of you. Perfect motion capture, like Elaine. No, yeah. no, not even <laughs> like that'd be that'd be yeah. I would. Try the VR machine. That wouldn't be good for anyone. <laughs> I'd watch that. I, I'm not sure. Like in some respects, it's kind of similar to the film, and whether films, um, like film sequels, are more. Uh, can, some of them are more financially driven. So like, hmm. just yeah. out for a quick cash grab. Yeah. But I'm not. Sure, I don't know um, what the profit margin is for games. Whether it's whether it's more beneficial to make like a sequel to a popular game to get quick cash or the majority of sequels to games are driven because the fans and the developers want to like cap off the series I can't think of a game that was brought back just because of the fans I I was actually I was thinking of one I was actually thinking of a series I'm not sure if it is though to like the the same extent as films 
for the games because is it like oh, as yeah. easy to make like a whole new game and like come up with? No, it wouldn't be like a whole new game. It would have they'll bring in the mechanics that they built from one and bring it into the sequel. So half the technology, if not all the technology, is there. It's just about reconfiguring the storyline. Right. How do you continue from that onwards? But is that as prevalent uh, in games as film? Does that happen as often, where the developers just push out a, a new game? I mean, obviously, oh, I yeah. think of like, Assassin's Creed. I, I was going to say, um, I can think of an example that actually uh, has both those, sadly, um, both those scenarios. Uh, the Metal Gear series. Okay. Because um, apparently when Kojima first did it back in the 80s, um, he didn't, like, I'm pretty sure every single sequel he did to that series, he didn't want to do. Like, he pictured it as a stand standalone game, and then I think Konami made the sequel, like an unofficial sequel, without him knowing. So he said, well, screw this, I'm going to make an even better sequel. Hmm. And then he did, you know, Metal Gear Solid, then 2, then 3, then 4, and finally 5, just because he'd keep getting more and more requests from fans. And then... Um, the developer just um, making it as a cash grab after he left Konami doing Metal Gear Survive, which is probably the most shameless cash grab I've ever seen in video game history. <laughs> so it can work both ways, I think. Like, it just looked like a zombie shooter. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah zombies. Yeah. Aren't we all kind of sick and tired of zombie shooters now? <laughs> Wait, I'm sick and tired of just zombies in any, anything. So, um, one interesting trend that we've got recently is. Uh, and this has been happening over the last couple of years. Um, not so much sequels to, to beloved old titles, but re-releases and remasters um, yeah. on the newer yeah. consoles. Because the games that aren't even that old. The games mm. that aren't necessarily that old, or they're still playable in some form. Uh, there have been a lot. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Very true. And, <laughs> but this is speaking to your point about... Uh, sorry, uh, uh, Nick, about how if they just want to cash grab, they'll just push something out. Yeah. And, and like nowadays, it's the remake. Um, so sequels don't seem to be a part of that necessarily. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, the fact that there is now this culture of remakes makes me think that maybe a sequel has some value beyond just nostalgia. Are you, you saying I mean? remake uh, as in remaster? Or like, or are you sorry, saying two yeah, different re things? Remaster. 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 Okay. I should I should clarify like literally all the same assets. No, they just look better. No gameplay changes. It's a skin just, cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. HD remasters yeah. Is, is what I'm talking about. I do, I do think sequels are like completely warranted. Like, go for it if they actually have a proper story or continuation yeah. to tell that doesn't feel like a cash grab. Like, pretty much when Last of Us 2 got announced, I was really skeptical. And then I found out, oh, Neil Druckmann had been planning it since while they were doing Left Behind, the, okay. that expansion. So that, that put my any qualms I had aside. And the same thing... Duke with Better Call Saul. Right. When that got announced, that right. was the prequel to Breaking Bad, when that got announced, I was like, oh, shit, okay, here we go. I had the same And thought. it's actually, like, yeah. arguably better than Breaking Bad. Yeah. Well, which is amazing. Definitely right up there with it, I'd say. It's incredible, yeah. But yeah, so... Well, what about, for instance, Duke Nukem? So, that was, was that oh, a yeah. shameless oh. cash grab? Or that, that, that's, that's, that's an entirely that was in different the, That was in development, was development for, hell, yeah. for so long. Yeah. yeah, it's just funny how long that was in development for, for how shit it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I haven't played it. But like, and then eventually, it. once once um, who who was it? The the Borderlands guys, Gearbox. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, they, they got, got the rights and they just shoved whatever they had out. Pretty much, yeah. Um, because like it was it it was too much of a joke. <laughs> that the, yeah, it's yeah. gone on. The that hype long. was I think well it was, and oh, well dead. And yeah, there was no hype there. Yeah. yeah. All right, shall we move on to yeah the last topic? Last, the guest for the day. Last but not least, so I will be talking about. Uh, superhero films and 
will the genre ever end? So in the last, uh, say, 10 years, I think Iron Man came out in 2008, so that's about 10 years. Yeah. Spider-Man before that. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, Back in the day. Yeah, uh, true. I'm talking, I'm going to kind of focus on the current MCU. Okay. Like, just for this. Okay, sure. But they've announced, um, Marvel's announced the release of 20 films. Yeah. From yeah. after Infinity War. Infinity Wars. War. After Holy shit. <laughs> so we are going to be seeing a lot of Marvel films. Right. Yeah. And then from that, we'll be seeing a lot more probably independent superhero <clears throat> films that are also trying to jump on the bandwagon. So that could be right. DC, that could be Fox, so. even though Fox has sold a lot of their properties back in this Marvel. I mean, I guess the question is will we ever get sick of it? <laughs> yes. Well, is I, anyone already tired of superhero? Oh, yeah, shit, absolutely. Yeah. I am. I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm I, I, love, I love superhero movies, yeah. my, but like, yeah. give me a break. Yeah. My approach now is directors. So if it's from a director or a writer that I like, I will see it sure. the same way I'll see a film from a director or a writer I like. It's not a superhero film. It's like I'm keen for Infinity War because of the... Is it oh, Russo yeah. or Russo R- Brothers? I say Russo. Russo, Russo Brothers because they're... Like fantastic, like they yeah, direct yeah, action yeah. so well. So how can you not be excited? Did they do Civil War? Or did they, they, do they did yeah. Civil War. They did, they did okay. Civil War, um, which I think is like one of the more juicy yeah. of Marvel's biscuits. <laughs> I love juicy biscuits. <laughs> Soggy biscuit. Wow. All right. Cool. We there. Decent. I'd actually anyway. say I'm more, I'm more excited. Um, like I'm probably I'll probably end up taking your approach, Duke. Either directors and writers or characters that haven't actually been explored yet that could offer something different. No, there's a few there's there are actually like it's been really traditional kind of superhero shit. There are actually like there's like cause I love yeah, okay. as you would know Adam, I love the I mean it's not like I hate the whole superhero thing. I read a lot of that stuff, but I absolutely love like the dark fantasy horror based kind of stuff. That, yeah, that's underrepresented. Yeah, yeah. Hugely underrepresented. Yeah, yeah. And the cosmic stuff's getting quite a lot of um, attention. attention at the moment. So yeah, but who knows, it could go that way. Um, but yeah, I'm more excited about like the non-MCU movies, like the non-traditional stuff, like... Hellboy. Like Hellboy. But yeah, like what we're just starting to see after the success of Deadpool and Logan, like more mature, like... <laughs> different mature. Deadpool. Not Deadpool. Not Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> more adult, less like the classic, cliched, yeah. golden age superhero yeah. kind yeah. of thing. Well, Logan's, Logan is a Western. Guys, yeah, Western. I'm waiting for the Booster Gold movie to come out. <laughs> Basically, it's satire. And all exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Whatever they're bringing out, then plus, you know, obviously Hellboy. Like, obviously, Marvel hit a gold mine. Yeah. In two thousand and eight, what was it in two thousand and eight that made that such a popular franchise? Like, what? What was it? That's a really that's good question. Right? Was it like the accumulation of really like, like state of the art CGI, like to the point where it was they made it cool. Was it like up to date. Like, well, they made it hit. Like their first guy was was like this rich billionaire, like millionaire, like yeah. Drake was in the back of the nose and like sworn shit. The uh, Iron Man. Man was never an A list comic book superhero. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, like I didn't know anything about him. Yeah, so B list. Yeah, much. so and, and the fact that like and obviously the reason why is they sold the rights to all the big characters and, yeah. and big properties to other studios but they started with Iron Man and like it was massive and it was a big surprise to me <laughs> like yeah. uh, it's a good film it's really good film. I think the way they did the first phase of the MCU was contribute to that factor like imagine if they started with Captain America that would have been jarring was that was yeah. Captain America as popular as Iron Man no. 
That's true. So if phase one started off with Captain America and then I don't know, Thor, then Iron Man. Yeah. But would have Thor was unknown, I think, even more so than Iron Man. I don't yeah. think it's hard to think back now. Like it yeah, is. Yeah, Spider-Man it's Spider Man was assess. probably the biggest Marvel. Spider Man was still in people's minds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maguire stuff. But yeah. also, yeah. even even in terms of the comic books, Spider Man's always been hugely popular. He still is. He's, but why why didn't the Spider Man why didn't Spider Man trilogy kick off like a universe? Did they were they aiming for an extended they universe? Weren't. That's why. No, they never. Was, nobody had that vision. Because yeah. um, yeah, was, 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 was the first Iron Man trying to kick off a, a yeah, they were, like, yeah, universe as well? I'm pretty sure I, they I were. Can't remember. Was there a tag at the end where? Nah. Oh, Actually, there no, was. No. Nick, there was Nick Fury who came out. He's yeah. like, I want to talk to you about an initiative. Yeah. That makes me think they do that in plan. I'm pretty sure that was one. Interesting. Iron Man. It would have been teasing. They probably didn't have it fully developed. So. I can't remember. But but it is also like the fact that Marvel was in that position because they were making their own films and not yeah. not sent like selling off their rights yeah. to other people. Didn't so, have like studio So, so the, the potential was there. They just needed to, to bring it together and make it happen. It was just luck. Right place, yeah. right time. Right place, right yeah. time, definitely. Perhaps just, a feistier just kind of spin off of this question. Sorry. Tim, what you were going to say, Max? I was, I was going to... I actually was thinking, maybe... It might have been, I think, the success of Nolan's Batman... Um, Batman Begins to start it off with. Because, like, we'd already had, like, the late 90s. They had all those really crappy... Batman movies? Yeah. Batman Some of them were good. Tim Burton. It was Sim- Some of them were good. In general, <laughs> yeah. in the 90s, weren't They great. were crap. They were, we basically had a... Um, <laughs> they just died off again in the early 2000s. Yeah. Aside from um, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy, yeah. there was nothing. And then suddenly Nolan comes along with a gritty, realistic mm-hmm. take on the superhero genre. Mm-hmm. And then comes Iron Man, who, which obviously yes, isn't okay. that classic. I mean, it was around back then, but he wasn't like the classic superhero in tights kind of shit. Like, definitely those two movies yeah, that started it. A much it better way to start it. Also, like Iron Man, like one of the other connecting tissues between uh, The Dark Knight and Iron Man is the fact that, like, there, there is a certain amount of um, a, a moral lesson in there, or, or some sort of moral story, where like uh, Iron Man's issue is that he he Substance is no no, but there's that. They didn't really he, portray that in that movie. He is a, uh, a an arms manufacturer. His 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 company builds weapons, and then yeah. he's like, no, we need to go to this free energy stuff. This is where yeah. the future's at, and this is where I want to be, and so. Like I think the that that's where the maturity of the storytelling comes through. It's the fact that there's, um, you know, there's more depth to it than just one man. It's aware. Yeah. It's like it, yeah. yeah. Like like the war in Iraq was still pretty well, prevalent yeah, at that time. Fresh, yeah. So mm. yeah, sure. Yeah. What I was going to say before is, do we do we want it to end? So before I say, so my answer is yes. Like I, I but like you can't. So the thing that's really tricky about this is. I say I want them to end, but I don't in that, I don't in like a black and white sense. Like, we could get a great superhero film at any point. My biggest thing is like, you get good and bad ones. Some people are massive Marvel fans, some people hate it, whatever. But the problem is, when we stock up so much of our uh, multiplex bookings mm. with 20 films down the track, we lose so many other potential stories. And like, other people will say, oh, you know, yeah, but Duke, like, it's irrational to think that if we stop making superhero films, then 
you know, everyone would go see indie films, that wouldn't happen, there'd just be more blockbusters. And if that's true, then sweet, but at least, like, you don't know what the next new thing is until you get it right, and, like, at some point do we have to go, like, are we missing out because we're literally just watching, like, because mm. more and more superhero films. Yeah. So, like, I personally am ready for them to, to calm down a yeah, little bit. Calm yeah, just right. Yeah. yeah. Just let us rest. Like, after Infinity Wars, take, like, maybe four years off yeah. from making movies <laughs> yeah. and then start with yeah. whatever phase, phase five is. Yeah. And then they can reboot yeah. it. <laughs> start over again. We'll they've get a new made, Iron Man. <laughs> they've made over yeah, 14 yeah, billion dollars in the superhero um, franchise. So. That's just for Marvel. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jesus. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so after mm. superhero films, what will be the next genre that will take everyone by storm? Or is it too well, early like, to Okay, so, so what I would say is that one thing... Like, has one genre dominated the market? Like, the super, the it'll get... It'll get no, there's something small that will resurge. Yeah. If you just look at the fact that if, if there's an oversaturation of something, then at some point people will be dissatisfied yeah. that we're not getting better stories. And then, yeah. so, so, so what I reckon, like, the super... If there's a failing to the superhero genre, is that, like, the superheroes are sort of... They're in a class of their own. They're, they're not anything necessarily that a regular person could aspire to or, or ever encounter in their lives yeah. or something like that. So, like, the, the alternative, the opposite, would be stories about, uh, about um, uh, regular people who get into extraordinary circumstances and somehow contribute to life. Mm. I would absolutely and, be down for a bit of that. And, um, and I think, like, the closest we get to that usually is like a disaster film. So, and there have been a few, but none of them really made it splash. So San Andreas didn't really like, like... Another movie with The Rock. Yeah, another... <laughs> I'm a big fan of The Rock. <laughs> I like how we have an entire generation of people going out watching The Rock. What about films about individual people who don't do anything extraordinary? That's, uh, those are the films I like to see. Yeah. I know that no one's going to go watch them, but like... Because that's us. We're just people, <laughs> like... It's our lives that is the most interesting thing to me. Isn't film, like, about escapism as well? Yeah. I think any, well, I've any, always viewed that as completely up to the individual. For me, it's not. It's the opposite. It's about connection. Any platform could be about escapism. Yeah, like, yeah, like porn. It's That's really good yeah, for yeah. that. Yeah, no joke about I that. Mean, one. I watch porn for connections. <laughs> <laughs> I watch it for the story. <laughs> All right. Yeah. On that note, <laughs> <laughs> lovely note. Just about wraps up our time here today. <laughs> Thanks for listening to episode two, guys. We're on the iTunes store now. Are we? We are. Oh, cool. We'll leave a link somewhere. Yeah. If you're watching this on YouTube, there'll be a link somewhere. Actually, I'll just add it to the description of this of this episode. We're also on um, any. We're on YouTube. Most of your podcasting apps will probably have us uh, downloading up their RSS feeds. Let's actually list this out. Uh, sorry. Let's actually list this out. We're on YouTube. We are on YouTube. We're on iTunes. Yep. We're on something called Anchor. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Pocket Cast is the app that I use. Around there, are we? Yeah. Okay, we're on that Facebook page. Um, yeah. We are. We have. We have a Facebook page coming up. That's it. We've got an email address. You We've got an email address. I'll leave that somewhere. <laughs> you look for it. Yeah. But so, you can send us. The, um, what did you say last week, Duke? Send us. Uh, send us your phone number or some shit. Send us your Absolutely. credit card details. <laughs> you do that. And <laughs> the CVC on the back. Yeah. Send some merchandise. We'll send you locks of our hair. <laughs> Tim has lost a lot. <laughs> right. Thanks, right. right, guys. See you later. See ya. Bye. Cool. Bye.